So I'm going to ask the most loaded question that I can think of regarding that whole thing. And you're uh-huh. not you're not going to see this coming, but when you got back, was your family like, hey, you know, things have been cool or it's been total chaos and which is better? Because it's almost worse of like, yeah, like you were gone and we were fine. Oh, when I go, it's fine. But yeah, they're like, it's fine. And I've got a 16 and 14 year old daughter. So they're like, oh, hi, dad. Hug. And then disappear to their rooms. Uh, yeah. yeah, my oldest then, is twelve, uh, and she's a nightmare. It's yeah. it's the worst age. Yeah, uh, and then some hours after that, they're like, "So, did you buy me a gift?" Right. <laughs> yeah, so, it's fine. It's all part of the package. My my girls are young enough that they're all id, so that's the first thing they ask. You're in the door. It's like, "What'd you get me?" It's like this yeah. is this is purely transactional to you. Like, there's no nothing beyond that. Like, you don't have enough stuffed animals. Yeah. Well, we 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 made a rule many years ago that if daddy was away for less than four nights, I think it was a four night threshold, no gift. Because I was doing so many trips to like, you know, Rotterdam, Hamburg, Rome, and you're just in and out. It's like, I can't get you a gift every single trip. Uh, so yeah, the long ones, the long ones. Only so much money in real estate in the house, you know. You, That's you true. Can't... Yeah, well, yeah, there's not enough space for so much clutter. God, Zach, so much clutter. Having having said all that, uh, you and I are both data and movie enthusiasts, and this is like kismet, you know? Yes. Uh, It feels like this is the month, um, Zach, when data and movies are going to come together for us all to become uh, just over-excited data nerds. Now this this is usually my milieu. I'm 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 out there hunting down movie data. I'm making quirky movie stuff. Uh, you know, it's 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 like my lane. It's kind of niche usually. This month is the month. It's like mainstream. You've got this big data plus movies campaign partnered with yeah. IMDb. How did this come about? Like this is a big to do. Yeah. So the data plus movies campaign is many things, but a big part of it is a challenge to the data fam to go and download a Tableau public workbook, which contains the best data set ever. Uh, basically, every movie IMDb has ever made, uh, including the top actors that are building that, whether they won best Oscar award and various other pieces of information. And, you know, download it, play with it, find your own movie data viz, share it with, uh, share it with us and with the world, and fill in a form and you'll get the data plus movies t-shirt that that's the essence of uh, what we've launched this month but a bunch of community people have already been playing with this data including you zach and have uh, created some wonderful visits we can go look at as well uh, so it, it's it's been really fun working with imdb on this data set it came around how did it come around that was the actual question you asked uh some years ago we did data plus music were you on the scene then, Zach? Were you there for that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so we, we did a similar thing where it was like, hey, here's some, or, or just viz, do some visits based on music data. And we always wanted to repeat it uh, with other interesting categories. So we partnered with IMDb, and here we are. Uh, we, are we can now nerd out and do our data analytics on movie data. So you've already done a viz, Zach. What did you do? So I did, uh, I'm calling it PAX, and it's a network diagram that shows the relationship of the rat pack, the frat pack, and the brat pack. So the rat pack is like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, sort of the uh, 
the crooner actor entertainers of the 50s and 60s who appeared in a lot of films together. Um, then you've got the Brat Pack, which is like Ali Sheedy and Anthony Michael Hall, the uh, John Hughes teen stars of the 1980s. And then the Frat Pack is the sort of, uh, you know, crude humor, early 2000s entertainers of like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson and them. And I was I, I this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. But getting the data together is difficult. This data set is so big and comprehensive mm -hmm. that it made this a lot easier. So I had to. For each of these actors, understand every movie that they appeared in. And I had to take the data that is included in that Tableau workbook and do some calculations to reformat it into a JSON file expressing the relationships between the films and the actors. And after that, I passed it through Tristan Gillivan's networking tool, which put it back into a Tableau workbook as a network diagram. And from there, it was all about understanding what's going on is the data representing correctly which is always a you know a, a reality point you had to check and in this case i couldn't just take the film names themselves because uh both i think frank sinatra as well as the wilson brothers have appeared in around the world in 80 days films but not the same uh. film <laughs> so i had to uh, i included date with mine in order to differentiate them and yeah. at that point, it was just uh, figuring out everything. And it turns out Molly Ringwald's the, the center of the universe. So um, she. Well, that's a good conclusion. I mean, if, if that's our insight, I'm happy. It's a, a, a any any uh, any any kid in the 80s with a crush on Molly Ringwald knows this. But Molly yes. Ringwald's the center of the universe because she is the only actor in that group to have appeared not only with her own peer group, but the other two peer groups as well. What? So no one oh, else great. has had uh. that. And, and I thought that was an interesting revelation for me. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And it's the kind of thing that is often difficult to express in different chart types. And sometimes you have to lean on the exotic and network diagrams have been a passion of mine lately just because they can express these relationships that are often yeah. more difficult to express otherwise. And and also just the story of how you got to the data set is one that many a data geek can relate to. It's like, I have this vision. I will bulldoze my way through obstacle and obstacle to build a data set that allows me to see this vision so i uh, i love that story uh <laughs> i built the data set that that you could when you when you download the tableau starter workbook i i put that data set together so i was building that using prep and uh tableau desktop that was great fun pretty hard you know some complex steps to certainly to get from json to something that you could use in prep at that volume uh, but it did mean my own analytical stories that I've been playing in the data in, with the data are a lot less, uh, uh, a lot more shallow than yours, Zach. I mean, the best insight I found is that the year, in fact, in what in what year do you think color movies overtook black and white movies by percentage of all movies? What wow. year do you think that was? That's a good question. I mean, I. I'm I'm trying to think. Okay, so like Casablanca and all that was, I guess, in the early '40s or no, no, no. That's around the World time. World War. I have to say, like 1952 or something like that. It's got to be sometime in the '50s. Well, no, the year in which 50% of movies were color, according to my analysis, was 1967. Really? So, yeah. So yeah. So clearly, lots and lots of movies still being made in black and white up to the late '60s. But uh... so when Steve Wexler was like 37. Like uh, yeah. movies were just just <laughs> finally rolling over. Yeah, uh, that's probably about right. Hi, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these are these are the insights that are there in this data set. Um, you know, I've, I've been looking at the progression of horror movies over time. I just find that fascinating. Movie length over time is an interesting.
interesting one. You know, what I went to see Scorsese's new movie uh, a couple of weeks ago, and The Killer Moon. I can't, do you even know the, do you remember the title, Zach? Killers of the Flower Moon. That's The Killers of the Flower, three hours and 26 minutes long. Crikey. The title is almost as long as the movie. Uh, yeah, uh, great film. Uh, but anyway, somebody should do some analysis about movie lengths and particularly the genre. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, we're looking forward to the stories uh, people can find in the data. Uh, I think there's yeah. a lot of interesting stuff to dig out of that, you know, like runtime to dollar value proposition. Yeah. Um, which franchise, like sort of which genres of film are more profitable than others. I think horror movies are a really interesting story, not necessarily because I, I love the genre. Obviously, there's some really iconic films there and stuff. I lean more towards suspense than uh, gore or jump scares. But I think horror is interesting because it so often is like a loss leader, like companies yeah. like Blumhouse or whatever will produce lots of ultra low budget horror movies knowing they only need one or two to actually strike it big to recoup the cost for everything yeah it's a wholly different value proposition from like disney's marvel films where they all have huge budgets and you're just hoping it's big enough to overcome you know the production and marketing cost yeah. and make its money yeah. back yeah absolutely and uh, unfortunately we don't have the box office data in this data set it is possible to go and download that from other other sites, so you could do some uh, merge those things together. But uh, I I find with horror movies, when you look at the number of votes cast uh, compared to the average rating, you do start to get to see the outliers. You know, so The Shining is one of the you know clearly highest rated horror movies of all time. It's up there. You know, the amount of votes for The Shining completely out you know out as an outlier just compared to almost all the horror movies uh, but it was a great movie so i think it's uh, completely justified well it's a, a film that transcends genre because you're pulling in the prestige film nerds because it's a stanley kubrick film mm -hmm. and you're pulling in the horror fans because it's a horror film and and it's it's kind of rare that you get those confluence of events it's i guess it's like oppenheimer or something yeah, you've got yeah. like the nolan bros and then you've got prestige drama fans and they sort of coalesce into the, hey, we're going to make an, a summer event of this three hour biopic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like hopefully our data listening fans are still listening, but we're, we're going to go down this movie rabbit hole, aren't we? Um, I, I watched a, a, a docufilm called Room 212 last week uh, on the plane. Have you heard of that? Yeah, that's the one with all the fan theories about what the Kubrick's actually <laughs> saying about The Shining, right? Yeah, what a great film. So it's you know, it's almost like watching people talk about conspiracy theories that are embedded embedded in The Shining, but then it's it's just a movie about people about how people watch movies and take things to the next levels, which we might come on to about how, how I'm doing that with my own movie watching in a, in a short while in this episode. But anyway, it was a great film. I highly recommend it. I, th I think what it says is it's an interesting thing is when there's enough information and you can just choose the pieces of it you want, you can tell any number of stories, which is true yeah. of this movie data set for the Data Plus movie campaign, but also reality in general. If you choose to ignore enough and just pick a couple facts, you can convince yourself of any number of things, and that's kind of what they're doing with The Shining. There's a, a person in there who believes The Shining is all about Kubrick admitting that he helped fake the moon landing by yes. filming it on like a set. And you're like, you got that out of the shining. <laughs> I loved it. The, the, the one I liked was the, the person who think the best way to watch the shining is to double projector. Uh, so one projector is playing the shining and then the other projector is playing the shining backwards. 
So you're seeing both the forwards playing and the backwards playing of The Shining simultaneously on the same screen. And and apparently they discovered all sorts of hidden insights from that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. But when when do you start playing Dark Side of the Moon? Like when do, when does when's the cue for that? You know, <laughs> oh my it's... god. Yeah. That, that, yes, if we combine all the conspiracy what movie watching theories, gosh. Yeah, that'd be fun. And then we could visualize it. So yeah, so Data Plus Movies campaign. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other ancillary events going on at the Tableau. You'll find on Tableau social media. Um, you know, we've got some great music group stuff happening as well. So it's going to be good, right, Zach? Absolutely. There's already great stuff out there that people have launched. Um, you'll see at least a, a half dozen at the time of this recording and way more than that by the time this drops mm -hmm. uh, on, uh, I guess, Wednesday the 15th. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really cool data set. And it's something I'm going to be probably revisiting for years to come just because there's so much to be dug out of it and that's yeah. that's kind of the stuff i love but yeah, yeah it's it's fun it's you're gonna get in on the vibe of what's happening right now because it's a huge event everyone's gonna be geeking out seeing each other stuff and you get a t-shirt which like i i basically do anything for a free t-shirt uh, so. yeah me too i'm the same i'm the same but hey let's talk about not the data about movies what about do you ever sit and find yourself looking at movies and looking at the interfaces in the background zach do you do well, that well gee andy it's almost like we primed this for conversation <laughs> this is now an infomercial <laughs> <laughs> so what so there's a couple of things that uh i'm doing as a sort of side um side projects to do with data plus movies and i'm re it's the culmination of about five years of collecting screenshots but I've spent the last five years watching TV and movies and just getting distracted or just hunting out every time I see a chart or a dashboard in the background, right? So most people immediately think of Iron Man and his uh, heads-up displays, but they are everywhere. Uh, so, let, so I mean, to, just to, to plug some things, if that's all right, Zach, uh, I've got a YouTube video coming out looking at the kingpins, charts and dashboards in spider-man into the spider-verse he made some brilliant charts and dashboards uh and then we the next chart chat in november is an interview with sean ua who is basically the hollywood hollywood ux designer and he did all the graphics and maps for top gun maverick batman the dark knight prometheus skyfall and many more so how cool is that i i i'm beyond excited because Come on, Zach, you must have seen charts and dashboards in the background and thought, oh, who built those? Who built those? And why did they build them like that? I, I remember watching We Crashed on uh, Apple TV about WeWork. And uh, I think I may have sent you this, actually. But there's a whole scene where they've got this really elaborate dashboard projected on a thing behind him. And I'm looking at it like, this is absolute nonsense. <laughs> so let me let me elaborate on that story that Zach has just told. Uh, so Zach and I have had this conversation uh, privately for a while, offline for a while, about talking about charts in movies. And I have, for the last five years, I've got now loads of examples of uh, charts that are in all sorts of sci-fi movies and TV shows. And Zach sent me a little screenshot of uh, this, this dashboard from We Crashed. And I thought, well, I'll do my due research for my charts in movies project, because the plan is to do a whole bunch of YouTube videos on this topic. Uh, so I had to, so I was like, okay, I'll watch the entirety of We Crashed. So I watched the entirety of We Crashed, 
got through eight episodes. Fortunately, I enjoyed it, but I was like, I didn't see that dashboard. So then wow. I re-scrubbed very quickly through all eight episodes and we crashed again. Still didn't find it. So then I had to kind of slowly go through it. And where Zach momentarily or a moment ago said a whole scene, it's basically on screen for about three seconds <laughs> in the fourth episode. So I was like, where is this goddamn dashboard? Anyway, I have the screenshot. I have the timestamp. And uh, it will feature in a video. But uh, yes, it's business people doing businessy things. And so on, on, the, on the wall, you've got a table of numbers with zero label. There's literally no labels. It's just numbers. Uh, in the bottom right, there's a line chart. The heading of the line chart is agriculture. <laughs> I, I, agriculture? What, what's the week we work thing about agriculture? So... You, I just this is what I love about this about looking at these things. You're, you're like the set designers and the designers are like, we need a businessy dashboard. And sometimes you've got people who do know what that means or don't know what that means. So they will have searched around for some stock photography probably and just cobbled something together. In that case, <laughs> I didn't get it right. But the amount of places you find stellar, stellar examples. Uh, I'm I i can not believe I'm gonna go to this one first, but have you ever watched Boss Baby? I I, I have, unfortunately. Right. Well, Boss Baby's got a great control center. And this is more in the in the animated TV series than the actual movies. But he has a, a control center with these wonderful sort of pie charts, had massive full screen pie charts indicating, you know, how, how much he's controlling all this or all, all what's going on in his little kingdom. And, uh, I'm like, it's a big screen. Everybody can see it. It's in a central location. That's great. Pie chart isn't great because you know you can the, the his cronies can't quite see the accurate changes in the data, but very good use of color, right? And these things that movies are littered with these things. It's great. Oh, have you got any other examples that we can remember? Oh my gosh. Um, off the top of my head, no. But it's it's I it kind of blends like between like you're saying UI and like data viz because everything has UI now. Right. So I remember mm -hmm. like watching uh, the matrix uh, reloaded the second matrix movie. And yeah. it's uh, the first matrix movie was like a very small world. that's basically contained to you got a virtual realm and then you've got the people aboard this ship. And it feels like that's all of everything. The second movie like kicks down the wall and like, now there's a whole city. There's lots of stuff. And mm -hmm. there's a part where uh, the crew of the, Gosh, I think it's the Nebuchadnezzar is arriving at Zion, the main city. And you see these people that are like the sort of security system for the city who operate out of a strictly virtual realm. So they're plugged into the Matrix and they're in a pure white space surrounded by white semi-transparent. It's like a very early 2000s thing. Like iRobot used this look a lot, like everything uses. Yeah. And it's like they're just surrounded by a thousand dials and clusters everywhere. And I've always been fascinated by that because... There's people that advocate, oh, you like high resolution screens. I mean, you could put a lot more on a page. I'm like, yes, yeah. but everything you put on the page is less meaningful. <laughs> like the more you slam yeah. on there. And that was kind of the approach to the scene where they have a billion dials and knobs. And I've always thought like in a strictly virtual sense where everything is a hypothetical, like imaginary object. Why? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. And, and you start, I mean, you know, I've already spoken to Sean Yue, who we're going to be having our chart chat a little bit. And you know, he says it, when you're making a movie interface or any kind of graphical screen, you know, you you are doing a lot of different things than you and I do when we're building a business dashboard, right? In a business dashboard, we're just communicating information. 
Now, when you're filming a scene, which is about somebody communicating information, it's normally it's just not good enough to build a business dashboard. You know, that thing has to fit within the world that they're inhabiting. Uh, so he did a bunch of the Rogue One uh, dash wow. interfaces and screens as well. And it's like, well, then you've got to, in order to satisfy that, you've got the visual language of 40 years of Star Wars universe to, right. to maintain. So you've got to, you, you inherit a visual language. And then the visuals themselves are either set dressing, in which case they're just adding to the atmosphere, but sometimes they're telling the story itself. Uh, and my favorite example of this is from The Expanse. Have you seen The Expanse? I love it. I love the book series right. too. So do you remember... Uh, in their apartments, they had a little. They had little uh, air quality screens, which would show, and there were bar charts showing like uh, four criteria of air quality within an apartment. I don't know if you remember that, <laughs> but the thing is, right? So there was the the in the first episode, they go to the main character whose name I forget, and his in the background, Holden is. Oh yeah, that's right. And his bar chart, his. The display on the wall in his apartment is showing really low bars. Basically, the air quality is really bad. And then it cuts later in the episode to somebody with, you know, one of the rich, super rich people in the in the in the world, and their bar charts maxed out, right? So every time you go from one apartment to the other, the bar charts just in the background showing air quality is showing well, one person is the elite and one person's you know rough and ready uh, kind of uber cop, right? Uh, and and it's it's just brilliant. That's a great design, an excellent chart design, but to tell a story. Uh, so I, there's just examples like this abound. There's some great dashboards in Oblivion. Tom Cruise, did you like that movie? Pretty Absolutely. Cool. Did you Director like Top I, Top Gun Maverick? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the dashboards there, you know, so he's 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 they're kind of monitoring the world. There's loads of animation in those dashboards, and you're like, well, you don't you wouldn't do that in the real world. But again, this thing has to be part of the make-believe that when you build the ux and it's those tensions and those differences that are oh, fascinating fascinating or i mean a minority report another tom cruise uh, dystopia where yeah. you know you're adapted from the philip k dick novel where they have like essentially there it's like a video scrubbing software but yes. for memories so it has to represent both timeline and sequence as well as uh, be able to highlight important events and there's like a lot going on screen at once in addition to the dials knobs and other virtual controls he uses, which uh, maybe one day we will get to use to interact uh, more more with uh, stuff on screen. Well, uh, as you know, we, um, we've been demoing the gestures uh, project, research project from Tableau, which allows you to interact with data virtually on a, on a, on a webcam. Uh, and the first thing a lot of people say when they see that is like, oh, that's like Minority Report. Like, that's, that's high praise because uh, that was clearly an amazing interface. Um, tell you the other thing that I I I, I go down these flights of fancy uh, and I, again looking deeply at the Spider-Man uh, dashboards. So in that movie, Kingpin builds a particle collider because he's trying to get doppelgangers of his family from different alternative universes because they got killed in this one. Right? I mean, we'd all do that, wouldn't we? Uh, right. So he builds this big control center. Uh, at, and, and it's populated by all these data analysts, right? They're all sitting in front of these screens with, uh, you know, things going on. And I'm like, where do these people get recruited from? Is there like, is there a villain, a villain's LinkedIn? Or do they just think, oh, a data analyst job for Kingpin, right? And 
And he's got, he's clearly built this amazing data culture because the dashboards they've got on the consoles in the Spider-Man movie are really good. And so you think, oh, do they kind of like, do they iterate through the dashboards? Did Kingpin have to go through dashboard definition meetings then approve each one of these dashboards? As he, <laughs> And of course, inevitably in most, you know, for the villains, what's the destiny for all these data analysts? They all get blown up. And you're like, God, wow. You, you know, every time you recruit a new team, you're like, well, that lot got blown up. I've lost all my corporate wisdom. I'm going to have to go to villains LinkedIn again and uh, we'll, we'll build it up. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to think like maybe he's just offering such a great work culture. Like, hey, look, I'm really looking you to define like what our data culture is, you know, come yeah. up with what what's our own internal standard? Like, what are our value? Like, I'm looking to you. Like, I want my wife and kid back. Like, you, you're yeah. the path to that. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, I don't know. I mean, I know it's high risk. It's like, you know, being a contractor on the Death Star. But still, like I, he's he's offering like a good situation here. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, have you seen Megan, the movie about the oh, crazy yes. doll? Right, so I, I love Megan. Uh, and again, a great piece of movie storytelling. They they will often film what is, that they, they will show what is happening through Megan's eyes, right? Because they're giving you the doll's eye view. Uh, Megan is the movie where a, a kid is given a doll as a friend because she's lonely and it turns out the doll goes a bit psycho and uh, murdering it. Uh, but when but when they're filming these dolls I view, there's loads of charts. There's like little bar charts and line charts that are monitoring the environment. I was like, ah, oh, somebody designing that doll had the luxury to put a chart on a display that the doll would never interpret, would it? Because the doll, you know, the doll wouldn't need to see the chart. Uh, but somebody had to spend the time building that chart for Megan. Well, you know, that's the Terminator visual language. Like we got that yes. back in the the 1980s. You send a you know, I don't know why you send a robot that looks like a massive bodybuilder back in time because he's going to stand out <laughs> like a sore thumb, but they do. And when we see things through his eyes, not only are we getting that sort of red mask overlay, but lots of, you know, moving bars and stats and threat analyses that he's showing on screen. And I mean, look, it makes no sense that that would actually be the case. But no. when you have like a, a character that, you know, like Megan or the T-800, that has no ability to emote like they're 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 dead flat we don't know what their motivations are anything that gives you a clue like i don't know some movies do a really good job of like an indicator light you know like uh yeah. hal 9000 or yeah. whatever the robot was and I, I watched that movie i robot with my kids the other week like i watched it years ago truly dreadful like isaac asimov <laughs> would roll over in his grave but at least like they came up with a visual language to express this robot's different from the other robots he looks exactly the same but this color indicator changes and he's a good guy yeah and, and that's what I enjoy. I, I enjoy, I mean, it's slightly broken how I watch movies these days because I'm, I'm spending more time looking at the backgrounds. But I just love that that, ga that game you can play of think, you know, imagine, well, what's the fiction for how this thing actually got developed? Then, well, they wouldn't do it like that in real life. But then realizing, oh, this isn't real life. This is a movie. So they do do that. And I, all those, all those little, those tensions. I find fascinating and they help me think more deeply about how I build stuff in the real, in, in, in our world as well, because it's like, can you bring some of those things to life in the visualizations you build and how far down that path would you go? Probably not very far, but it's fun to bring some of those in. Uh, if well, I think, 
I think there's a lot we can learn from observing other media. Like, obviously, you and I both love movies, and there's a lot we can absorb from there. I know a lot of my sort of influences and in thinking about like page flow and how we read, you know, these interconnected charts that are trying to say one big message. I borrow a lot from comic books. Like there's a great book called, um, I, gosh, now I'm forgetting. It's, I think it's The Art of Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. I'm yeah. probably butchering the title. Um, but, you know, it's he describes like comic paneling and storytelling as like juxtaposed pictorial images in an intentional sequence. And I'm like, that's basically what we're doing with charts because we're putting stuff there in an intentional order. And depending on our audience and the culture and the way people read words, we're stacking those panels in a certain way to lead them through stuff in the order we think it needs to happen. Like you're not gonna, not gonna put something in the bottom right corner if you want that to be the first thing they notice. You're gonna put yeah. it in the upper left. So you're gonna draw their attention a certain way. And depending on how we aggregate and represent the data in different ways, we're taking like an establishing shot and expanding upon that to build upon the story. I mean, I'm fascinated with video game storytelling, and we're talking mm. about color in films. Color is something used very subtly as an indicator in video games to direct players down, like, sort of the happy path you're supposed to go down. Yeah. And no color is more evident for that use in games than yellow. Yellow is used as the, like, guide color, but it's never called out. Like, games are smart enough to not say, follow the yellow thing. There'll just be, like, a yellow you know, step that's slightly worn, that stands out slightly from its surroundings to guide you that way. And it's not, uh, oh, right. You, you've just, well, there, was, there was a lot of knowledge bombs there. So first of all, here's, here's a little uh, not well-known fact about me is that when I left high school, I had a place on an art foundation course with the intention to go and learn to draw comics. That was, that was when I left school, that was, that was the goal. Um, and my, my high school thesis in art was all about the art and structure of comics. So it's been a big love of my life but then i spent the summer in the arctic and decided to go and look at glaciers for the next five years instead so that kind of stopped that ambition in the tracks but again everything i learned about comics back then is is as you say from books like understanding comics and things i've brought with me to this tableau data analyst life uh right but then video games right now it's interesting it, it, with with things like yellow that obviously, the more you play video games, that becomes a learn. You, you kind of learn that encoding, but you don't even even in the first even for beginners, it's it's just like this con this changing color is an indication of something to do. When you're given that freedom to move in 360, it's like, well, I'll go where there's a slight color contrast. Um, there's a great video by the UX designers of Fortnite about all the ways they use color in Fortnite uh, to to just help people understand what the heck they're doing. Again, so another color that is used very cleverly and sparingly is red, right? Such a bold alert color. Um, so you can't overuse it, but when you do use it, you use it with very strong intent. So I'm, I'm sure we can share that link. I, I had a client business. once that that insisted that red meant good because it was one of the, their sort of preferred corporate colors. And I I had to sort of you know talk, sit down and talk with them and say, okay, did you change your corporate campus stoplights? It's like, well, no, it's like that because that means something. I'm like, exactly. Like, at least in the Western world, um, red yeah. is like an alert color. It's a stop color. I, I know in like China and some other countries, it's like a more like, it's a more auspicious color. It's like a, a color that indicates like prosperity or success. But like, in if you're if you're an American-based company or you're based in Europe, like it, and you see red, like your visceral reaction is, 
I should look at that. That's something that requires yeah. my attention. I mean, and I mean, whether you're encoding that for good or bad, it's still it's still a high contrast color. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So uh, just yeah, go go and see how it's used in the video game you're going to play tonight. Do you see red? Do you see yellow? Where is it used? Well, Andy, I'm playing Cyberpunk 2077, and oh. that is overflowing with chart junk, color, everything. Yeah. So the yeah. fact that they have managed to, um, and, and particularly we're talking about, you know, use of charts and color in film, use of charts and color and other things. The games are a particular challenge because especially if it's a more open world game where the character can choose wherever they want to go, how are you going to inform people what's of value? Like, how are you going to... And, and, you know, like information overlays or something they use. That's something we can mm -hmm. also do on dashboards, have an overlay that's informative before you get to the chart. You know, yeah. it, it's like AR, like they're they're using now more in, in uh, real life to add extra information to help inform you about what you need to do or where you need to go. So I, I completed Cyberpunk when it came out. Uh, I'm going to revisit it because I've repatched it so much. I'm uh, excited. But again, Zach, I'm going to break it for you. There's loads of charts and dashboards hidden in the background in uh, lots of places. So go, and, and again, there's some pretty good ones. And I just love it. Some Somebody at Project Red, is that the name? Uh, you know, they had to yeah. they had to sketch out that that bit of user interface for that moment and that bit of the game. And I mean, it's as, it's as complicated as a movie these days, as we know. You could spend the rest of your life digging charts out of that game. It's so expansive. Yeah. And it's, it's set in a... 90s idea of the future so it's you know it's very uh wire heavy uh you know charts everywhere like excessive data we think of like the modern state of technology we're dealing with like iphones which are like a small little soap bar in your yeah. hand and the idea of technology from that era that this is based in is all like no technology is extravagant it's big and it's loud yeah it's about it's it's a great game i mean and the saying for anybody Hopefully anybody listening to this is thinking I'm breaking them all. And that as they go forth and watch chart, watch movies and watch TV and play video games and they go, oh, I'm looking, there's a chart. Then I want to know what you find because uh, I want to start featuring these. Um, so it's another call to action. If you see charts and movies or TV, let, let me know. Send Andy your charts. And if you're like me, don't give him a lot of information about where it's to be found there. It's more fun that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like what whatever happened to andy Cockgrave? it's like oh yeah do you remember he, he got flooded with these vague references to charts that may or may not appear in these hundreds of movies and we never saw him again as he tried to hunt them down you've yeah. gone full howard hughes shut yourself in a room <laughs> and are just you know inching through frame by frame movies trying to get the right shots yeah could, could, that's, that's not a bad destination is it destiny right <laughs> yeah so the campaign's really exciting. I'm excited. I was I was thrilled by the data set because a lot of this stuff is just really hard to to pull together. And it is a massive data set. And I know you had to make like choices. Like it's it's impossible to have everything always yeah. ever. Is there yeah, anything that it, you like left out that you you're like, ah, I wish I could have included that or uh there's a lot of the we had the whole awards history of all movie awards, like all the Oscars, everything. Uh it just became I mean, the data set's pretty big anyway, uh, and it just started getting too complicated uh, and too big. Um, so that, I wish we could have had more. We've got best movie is in the data set, I believe. Uh, just if anybody does download it and find their laptop can't cope, 
then we there's a link in the downloadable dashboard to a, short, a smaller version of the data set with just the movies since 2000. Um, so we've tried to accommodate all specs of laptops. Um, but yeah, I'd love to, and there's no TV. There's no TV in this data set. And we know that's all on IMDb. But, hmm, hmm, mm. time continues. I mean, a per episode uh, basis, you've got law and orders out there that would just choke your data set out. It, it's, yeah, yeah, can't handle uh, that. Yeah, but that'd be a fun data set to play with too, right? Absolutely. It, it would be really fun to look at different series, see like, uh, when when are when are these big procedural series because those are the ones that just run forever that and soap operas yeah when are they maximizing their you know like their viewership or or their their viewer ratings you know um because so many of these things run for just decades but like was season seven the golden point like is there <laughs> can we come to a consensus where it's like Oh, it turns out on average, most of these things after about six seasons start to go downhill. I would yeah. be fascinated by yeah. that. So I, I, when, when I teach the fundamentals of data visualization, um, you know, you're talking about how do you, <clears throat> how do you encode ordinal, nominal and continuous data? And you can do it on, you do position with color lines and things. Uh, and for a long forever, I was using the episode ratings for Star Trek, the next generation. You know, you put, you, you put them all in a line and, you can see which is the terrible uh, next generation episode. And then uh, some years ago, about six years ago, I was doing this doing this in, at a customer in London. And we were in, it was a really trendy office. And I remember looking out at this crowd of people I was teaching visual analytics going, these kids don't even know what next generation was. <laughs> uh, so from then on, then I got the Game of Thrones data set. Uh, and and from then on, I always did. Whenever I teach it, I'm like, "Who wants Star Trek? Who wants Game of Thrones?" Not done Star Trek since, but I think <laughs> I know. I just feel old, but I even think Game of Thrones is old now, isn't it? I'm Game of Thrones is old now, and the the, yeah. the consensus has turned on Game of Thrones. While games of Game of Thrones was on, people loved it, and then it ended, and now no one says you should watch it. But this is but this is the, the, both Game of Thrones and Star Trek actually both make great visualizations because with Star Trek it was consistently pretty good. There's one episode, one episode which is rated like at about three out of ten. Um, it was made during the strike, and it's just a clip show, right? So it's a really bold outlier. And then the Game of Thrones story is visually brilliant. You're like, this show's amazing. This show's amazing. This show's amazing. Last season. Oh my God. It's the worst thing ever. Right. Um, you know, so the data tells the story of what happened in the Game of Thrones very, very well. I, I had a similar experience with Westworld, which uh, for the first season <sighs> I thought was brilliant. One of the best shows I'd ever seen. Yeah. Second season. I'm like, it's not as good, but I'm still enjoying it. And then it, you can watch the IMDb scores of seasons three and four just start to crater. And it, this was an HBO original. It spent $10 million an episode and its performance turns so sour towards the end. They don't even stream it on their own platform now. Are they not? Oh man. Yeah. I, I think I lost it after the second episode of the second series. There was too many logical inconsistencies in that film. It's like, even in the first series, Oh, no, we're going to get. There's too much of a rabbit hole. It is too much. <laughs> but look, but I will. But, but, I, no, but I will say, I will say, amazing user interfaces in yeah. the Westworld. You know, some cracking examples in those. Yeah, you know, you should go back and watch it again just to get those. You I, know? I'm. I, it's on my list of things I'm going to have to go and screenshot. You know, I'm just looking for ways to torment you now. I'm like, what? I, uh, where uh, can I maximize <laughs> Andy's misery with hunting for charts? Well, you know, I've never really watched 
Well, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Marvel movies. Well, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan. They just, you know, I had two girls and not the no, no, not the girls can't watch Marvel. I had two young kids who weren't into Marvel. Doesn't matter who they are, they just weren't into Marvel. So it it just didn't enter my family. But now I'm like, oh, there's a lot of good UX in the Marvel movies. So I'm gonna have to revisit the whole Marvel universe. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Oh, torment. I'm tormented, Zach. Uh, uh, look, they've got so many TV shows now, Andy. You just have to watch all those too. And... Uh, mm, yeah, I don't think so. I'm Which they're, they're at the, the point where I, I predicted this from the beginning. They're experiencing the exact same issue as comic books where, oh, so you wanted to read that Spider-Man story. Well, all you have to do is read these 12 other stories across yeah. you know, 60 years of history. And then you're great. And, uh, and also, oh, I've really been turned off to Spider-Man, so I don't read X-Men now either. And that's exactly yeah. where Mar Marvel is. It's like, it's not that yeah. people hate Marvel. It's that people, everyone's kind of over it. And when you're Saturation, over Saturation, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like they bought, they consolidated it all and they benefited greatly for about a six or seven movie run where everything is making a billion dollars. But when you've made it, oh, you have to watch all these and they're uh -huh. all connected and it's all one thing. When you lose interest in one, you lose interest in all of them. Yeah, it also means when you when you have kids who are old enough to be into Marvel, you can't join you can't join the gang because you're like, I don't you know I can go and take it to a movie and we went and we're like we've got no idea what's going on. Yeah, so, yeah. reach. Anyway, this has been fantastic. I've enjoyed nerding out with you about movies, data, and data in movies, and data about movies. Uh, is there anything else you want to promote or shout out about what you're working on about the Data Plus Movies campaign or anything else today? No, that's it. Just uh, please go check out the data. Just do Data Plus Movies. Look for it. It's easy, easy to find. Go download the data set. Take the challenge. We want to give as many T-shirts away as we can. And please do uh, check out Chart Chat on November the 30th with Sean Uway because he's amazing and we are going to be fully nerding out on UX uh, in the movies. It's going to be – I'm really I'm really excited about it, Zach. I'm excited about now. If, <laughs> uh, if you want, <laughs> if you want to get it on Data Plus Movies, Google Data Plus Movies Tableau. There's a website dedicated to it. If you make a project using it, make sure to fill out the T-shirt form, but also hashtag Data Plus Movies. Like, get the hashtag correct in your uh, in your description of your viz, or put it in the title. However you choose to do it, but yep. you know, make sure you're connecting out there so other people can find it and see it because you know yep. you want to spread the energy. Yeah, and uh, chart chat is you can find that on YouTube. So chart chat is our channel. Brilliant, fantastic, Andy. I'm thank gonna go you for watch, coming on. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch some movies. I've got lots to watch. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll talk to you later, man. All right, thanks, Zach. Thanks, everybody.